We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As always, we're pleased to walk in. I call him the, you know, the big boss man. Because sometimes, you know, when he grows a goatee, he looks like the big boss man from back in the day in wrestling, you know. So I jokingly call him that. But he's the uh, owner and editor over at Irish Breakdown. And, you know, he's familiar with this show. You guys know him. He's Brian Driscoll. And we welcome him in to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. B. Driz, how you feeling today, man? Well, after that intro and I realized where I was from, I was getting ready to actually tell you I can't join right now. I got to go shave real quick. Because I don't want to be looking like, uh, or, yeah. or I'm going to run upstairs, like get a nightstick, put on like a blue button up, you know, and then just go no. roll, roll with it. Now, before know. he became Big Boss Man, he used to wear a black suit. And he used to walk somebody to the ring. I forget yeah, he was who like it a was. bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. like a bodyguard. I forget what I just love when they turned them bodyguards into like, like remember when Virgil became a wrestler? <laughs> oh, he was the, but Virgil was awful. Was Virgil was awful. Was he was terrible. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Fellas, you know, Ohio State week one. Let me tell you the first thing that jumped out to me. Notre Dame was ranked fifth in that game. I I popped the game on, and I saw the overlay, and it said Ohio State two, Notre Dame five. I was like, Notre Dame actually got respect from the voters and the writers. But I realized that Notre Dame, in hindsight, That number five ranking was connected to everything needing to go right. If everything went right, Notre Dame was a top five team. And what I mean by that specifically, number one, we start with injuries. If Notre Dame was able to stay healthy, Notre Dame had the potential to be a top five team. I think I said this, I overestimated, in my opinion, the importance of Avery Davis's injury in the fall. Because I think Avery Davis meant a lot to that wide receiver room from a leadership standpoint. In the first five minutes, I saw Lorenzo Styles catch a fantastic pass on the first play. Then I saw him make a uh, procedural penalty. And then I saw him miss time his route coming across on a key second down. And I saw inconsistency. And I'm like, okay. He's been inconsistent. Well, Sean, you wouldn't have been able to see this on TV, but that deep ball that Tyler Buckner threw to him, he slowed up. Absolutely. He doesn't slow up. He runs underneath it for a touchdown. He runs for a touchdown. Yeah. And I'm seeing this, and I'm like, what was going on? Like, And like you said, in hindsight, seeing what happened, and seeing these things, and what it forecasts to me is that the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are in a better position if by chance everything doesn't go right. See, I do think that team that went to Columbus was worthy of being the fifth-ranked team in the nation. But a lot of things had to go right yeah, for them to end up as the fifth-ranked team. Mainly Tyler Buckner staying healthy. Mainly. Mainly. And then there were some other injuries that just, man, just happened that we probably didn't realize. Cam Hart, watching that first game, Cam Hart gave it his all, bro. He was nowhere near healthy. No, he was nowhere near healthy. That's why he got so grabby in that game. He was nowhere near healthy. Right. He gets the penalty on the second drive, the second Ohio State drive. He gives up the touchdown to Ekbuka, which I don't understand because Brandon Joseph has your back inside. He has your back inside. He comes down to double him from the inside. You force 
the throw to the outside. You should have outside. You should be forcing him back to Brandon Joseph. You allow him to get outside of you, and then he gets the touchdown. So that that was something else. Injuries really played a major factor, in my opinion, especially early for certain things that happened for Notre Dame because that touchdown that eventually led to Ohio State taking the lead came due to an injury to Tariq Bracey at that exact moment, which happened to be one of the most important moments of the game. It was like, man, things just didn't fall the way that if they had fallen that, different. That was a great play call, too. I mean, Ohio yeah. State did that. They looked and said, 28's out. They put in a yeah. true freshman. We're going right to him, yeah. right? Y'all remember in 2019 when Notre Dame played Georgia and Tyson Campbell was already out and then Eric Stokes got hurt in the first, like, drive of the game and Notre Dame never th- – went at him until like the fourth quarter and then Chase beat him for a, on a go route. It's like good coaches don't do that, right. right? Good coaches say, hey, y'all, they just put a freshman in. Bracey's out. Bracey's been locking down Jackson Smith and Jigba and everybody all game. We're going to go right at him and boom, touchdown. Yeah. And it was a great play call. But it doesn't so happen. It's not waste any time. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we – how do we – progress those injuries to what Marcus Freeman has said after the season, which is, yo, I have to focus on building the middle of this roster. Yeah. Right. Because he saw the impact that injuries had and they just didn't have the people that were ready to step up and hold down the fort and keep things at the same level. So he recognizes that something you talked about that I saw and we can forecast this to this year. Great play call on the first touch on the touch only touchdown drive. They get into Ohio State territory. They fake a sweep to Chris Tyree and hit Kevin Bauman on the scene. It was a great play call by Tom. And you talked about this, Brian. You said it before. If you're going to focus on 12 personnel or 21 personnel, well, 12 personnel in particular, you have to be able to get that second tight end included in the passing game. And if Notre Dame can do that this year, it bodes well because you see how successful Georgia has been in doing so the last two seasons. Well, and if you look at this, who the second tight end might be in 2023, it's a, gonna, a guy who's going to have a little bit more juice than Kevin Bauman had. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So you hit Golden State right there on that play. You know, he, he may get a little bit more. But, no, I mean, that that's the thing, Sean, is, you know, that game – you know, that game kind of showed a lot of things, right, like that that I don't think I anticipated for, if I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. anticipate the offensive line not being better, you know, and needing the time to develop and mesh, especially without Jared Patterson. Speaking of injuries, he didn't play that game either. You know, and so I didn't expect the line to play as bad as it did, which then I think hurt Tyler Buckner. I actually thought played well in that game, considering. I mean, the kid started the game off eight, and, eight for nine for over 100 yards. And he wasn't overwhelmed by the moment at all. What overwhelmed him was the Ohio State pass rush. It was the backs not picking up delayed blitzes up the middle. It was the line not working as a unit and and getting any push and picking up pressures and making Ohio State's front seven look better than it actually was uh, throughout the season. And it was good, but they made it look really good. And and then not being able to get a pass rush on the other side. I mean, there just was so many things, Sean, that you look at that game, you're like, and they didn't do this. 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 This was a problem. This was a problem. And they yeah. had a lead in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. On the road, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, um, 
was a frustrating game in a lot of ways. But I think the surprise for me was just the fact that they could get no push in the run game at all. Yeah. And, Leek, you said this in the intro when we teased this segment, just the opportunities that were there. Yeah. Like, we could talk about what didn't happen. Notre Dame had opportunities to put mm-hmm. at least 10 more points on the board. That's right. They, they visited the Ohio State side or Ohio State territory five times in that game. Like, yeah, opportunities were there. Being in the red zone as much as we were and not capitalizing, it, it was more for me on – uh, the identity not being established when it needed to be when you're getting in the area of scoring is one thing to be able to just call plays because we got talent, but it really showed that we had a lack of identity going in to that red zone period of what are we really good at? And I think we got caught in trying to be too cute and not having a right uh, enough of going to our impact players that I think it, it, it exposed the fact of, why are we not getting to that? I think Ohio State went to it early and went to the young guys when Jackson and Jigba went down. They weren't afraid to go to the young talent. And I think for us not going to our young talent with Tobias, seeing how impactful he is, just, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I, you know, I can see that. You know, when a Salerno, I saw the Salerno catch there in the second quarter on a touchdown drive. And Tobias, after they scored, Tobias is talking to him on the sideline. <laughs> and smiling. And I'm like, man, I wonder if that could have been Tobias on that play, running the same route and, you know, being successful. But and maybe also, Tobias has more success the next time when Salerno got the pass interference because he doesn't have the length to just go up and make a play. He needed to yeah. push off to get that separation. Absolutely. I think Malik's point, though, is a good one because I think that's been an issue at Notre for a while is just not investing enough in – We've got to get the talented players ready to go. There's always been this, they got to prove something to us. And it's kind of like, but when you're holding them to a higher standard than you return hold your veterans, then they're, they're, there's no way they're going to be able to get on the field. And I think that's been true for a long time. And and even going back to 2013, like I, I'll say this until I'm blue in the face, Will Fuller did not all of a sudden become a really good football player as a sophomore. Like Will Fuller should have played more than, than he had to get six catches, most of which came against Air Force in 2013, right? He could have helped that football team, not taken. And it doesn't mean, oh, you don't play Chris Brown. You don't play DeVaris. It's like, you know, you play all of them in that way. In the third, in the fourth quarter, DeVaris has 15 less reps on his legs and he's trying to run a post route in a game winning situation. And he's a lot fresher than your cornerback who's been having to chase him and Will and Corey and Chris and all those guys. And I don't think that's something Notre Dame has done a really good job on, to be honest with you. And I, and I hope that what we saw late in the year with so many young guys emerging will will make this staff realize, like, look, we've got to do more to force the issue to get these kids, even if it's not getting them in the rotation a ton, that they're ready to play, that if there's an injury, we're making a really smooth transition into that next guy. And, you know, because you could say, well, injuries hurt them, but what injury hurt more, Notre Dame not having Avery Davis or Ohio State not having Jackson Smith and Jigba after the first quarter? Right. And so they were able to overcome it with good play calling, using other guys and all that. And Notre Dame wasn't able to. And and that's the, that's the part of the evolution that, that Coach Reese and them have to have. But you also think, too, Sean, that was the first staff. That was the first game that staff had been together, too. Yeah. And I think we saw them working a lot, a lot better together in November, than, certainly than we did in September, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me tell you something else. Let's start with the head man. 
And then I want to parlay into one of the biggest disappointments. Because, I, man, if you watch this dude play in the first quarter or the first half against Ohio State, there's no way. I'm watching this dude play the first half against Ohio State, and I'm like, we got an All-American safety. Flat out. Dude, go the first half against Ohio State, Brandon Joseph was a dude. A dude. And I'm sitting here like, what the heck happened? And, and see, my thing about moving forward to 23 with him, because th- that's a disappointment. Because if you watch that first half, he was every he was everything he was built to be for this team in that first half. Something happened, but is that something you get into when you get transfers that have one year? And have their eyes on the pros, and things don't go wrong, don't don't go so right early. Then you might not get the same effort that you got early on. Like that's, and I'm not saying everybody is going to be like that, or everything is going to turn out the same way. But something changed from what we saw against Ohio State, and what we saw for the majority of the rest of the season. And I, I can't. I guess you can say, well, he was injured. I just think it was a little bit more than that. Yeah, he was nicked up a little bit. Had the big first play against Syracuse. But he didn't play with the same zeal. He didn't play with the same fire. Man, he just wasn't the same. Man, if you go watch that first half he played against Ohio State, you you thought for sure we were getting an All-American performance for the rest of the year. I got to ask you all something about that do you do you see here's my thing about Notre Dame sometimes I wonder if some of those positions if it's if it's better off for Notre Dame to focus on the Thomas Harpers and the Javante John Javante John Baptiste type of players good players but more guys going to come in and play a role mm-hmm. be part of it as opposed to a guy that is kind of got his eyes on the top of the draft because as you said, is he going to be as invested like Javante uh, Jean-Baptiste? If he wants to go to the NFL, he he can't take a game off in week three if things aren't going right. his way. Right. Thomas Harper can't do that. And I wonder if, some, if, the, if there might be some of that. Like if you're going to go get a transfer, go get a guy that's hungry, a guy that yeah. wants to prove something. You know, I've, I've talked to people about Sam Hartman. And, yes, Sam Hartman wants to improve his draft stock. But a big reason that yeah. Sam Hartman wanted to come was playing in a pro-style system and improve his draft stock. But he wants to win. And and compete for a championship, and he knows that that could be his legacy. Yeah. And then these other guys have, you know, they're not guys that are high draft pick looking guys. I mean, they're they're just not. When you look at Thomas Harper and Javante Jean Baptiste and all those guys, and I wonder if that might be the path that Notre Dame needs to focus more on than getting that guy that's kind of coming. And let me look. Chris Smith was so much more valuable to this Notre Dame football team from week one to week twelve than Brandon Joseph was. Brandon Joseph had a game here, game there. But Chris Smith just plugged in, plugged every day. I mean, he just battled every game. Yeah. You know, and because he had a lot more to prove, Sean. I think that's that's kind of my thing. Is like, do you think that's the the that's the path more often than not that Notre Dame should look at in the in the portal? I mean, I mean, Malik, you tell me because I mean, obviously you, you've been part of that locker room and that culture. I mean, are those the guys that you think would fit in better and be be guys that can be a big part of it more so than going out and getting some dude who thinks he's going to step in and, and I'm the dude, you know, back here, you, you tell me. 
Yeah, I definitely think that uh, a lot of it that plays into it is, the, like you said, not having much to lose. I think you see a guy like Jack Cohn who had, you know, he was at the bottom, you could say. And to be looking up at what Notre Dame could offer him, I felt like he felt he owed the team so much more than probably what he gave at Wisconsin and probably a second chance at life. But we talked about this a little earlier on the Lucky Lucky podcast of Notre Dame being a team that's taking finished products. We're not taking guys that have more than one year on their on their availability or eligibility. We're taking guys that are finished products, accomplished guys. You look at guys like Sam Harbin, an accomplished guy in the ACC, accomplished guy as a captain at Wake Forest, more so of a finished product, could have went to the NFL this year, decided to come back. Take a guy like Thomas Harper, a fifth-year guy, played on winning teams, accomplished guy, graduate. So for me, I, I thought that our strategy, we was taking one-year guys that were graduated, guys that were more mature, not having much to lose. And I do think that a lot of it comes down to uh, that insurance policy. Brandon and Joseph uh, having more than one year was sort of like an insurance policy because we didn't really know what the impact of a Ben Morris and the impact of a Jaden Mickey, the impact of some of these younger guys coming in, especially for a first-year guy like Marcus Freeman, not quite knowing what he's getting or how good his recruitment was. I think we got to see that as the year progressed. And you got to see the type of Brandon Joseph player. You got to see the type of player Brandon Joseph really was coming from Northwestern. I mean, he was from Northwestern, has some flashes like he did at Northwestern, and he flashed for us, obviously. He – was elevated in a, in a defense that had more talent than what he had on Northwestern on an overall basis. But you got to see where his talent landed amongst a team that was talented on, on an overall basis. So a lot of that we have to look at. If we're getting a transfer, is he going to flash amongst talented guys? And you got to see that from some of what we picked up in the transfer portal, getting a Baptiste who played amongst Ohio State guys. So he's around a lot of talent each and every practice each and every week he'll come in and not look any different uh fitting in or even competing with a with a talent pool that we have in Notre Dame and Thomas Harper played on a team that was a defense especially that had, was a veteran defense that was a top defense in the country so has can pull from that being around like we asked him a, a bunch of younger guys that are talented but they aren't quite the veteran defense that he was around either so We'll see how that transpires coming in this year. Hey, but, but Sean, you nailed it, though, man. You nailed it. Uh, in that first game, though, <laughs> in that first game, Brandon Joseph came to play, man. Man. He came to play against the Buckeyes. He was talking so he, trash. He, he, was, like he was energized. He had that Ohio State experience, you know, but – it's different when you're playing at Notre Dame and playing a schedule where you got to play every week. This ain't that's no every week. week. Right, that's every week. Take yeah. off where we're playing a FIU or something where it's the middle of nowhere conference team. You got to be able to show out versus even a Purdue. Because in that Purdue sandwich, you got a Clemson after that or you got a tough you know, com- opponent that's in the top 25. So I think players – that aren't used to it. Uh, if your talent isn't there, it'll show. Because now, see, coming, show coming from Northwestern, that's something to tap into. Coming from Northwestern, the intensity that was needed 
it was different. It like was different. to have to have it for Ohio State, you you get up for Ohio State at Northwestern. Anybody get up for Ohio State, right? Know? But to Can come you back get up for a cow and then a for Marshall, right? right. Uh, uh, you got to go fly out across the country play SC. You know, so can you get up week to week? And you know, you really got to have talent to be able to do that. And I think a guy like CJ Williams wouldn't be bad coming back to a Notre Dame because he has talent that can play on a week to week basis. I think some guys are fit in the conference that they're fit in. A Charlie yeah. Jones in the SEC, probably not the same Charlie Jones. You probably you know not. what? You're right. That's a Jeff Brom special, right? That's a Jeff Brom. That's, that's a, a Jeff Brom special. You get into where you fit in and you can flourish. Yeah. But Charlie least, Jones on a old Miss, come on. He might not even might not even get his first name. He might just be Jones out there. Yeah, because Jeff Brom has an incredible way of taking one receiver and just scheming and moving him around and allowing him to be productive in his offense. So I, I agree with you. And the CJ Williams, I mean, once he decides to go to Wisconsin left. Even if he leaves Wisconsin, it's like, ah, oh, that shit to sell. Like, like we got too many young players in the room right now. Yeah, we got too many young guys. Move on. This is a hot take. This is a hot take. I guarantee you, the Michigan staff watched that first half and said, oh, we going to kill Ohio State. We going to kill yeah. these dudes. I, that, I was like, if Michigan was watching this first half, Jim Harbaugh turned to his boys and said, yep. We're going to get them again, fellas. They soft. They're real soft. And they can be thrown over. Yep. They can be thrown over because that's something yep. Michigan killed them with was just those play actions, just getting it over the top of the defense. And Ohio State had no answers. And yeah. no, Notre Dame tried it. They just couldn't hit enough of them. I mean, there yeah. were guys there. Yeah. There was the one where Braden Lindsey, this is going to surprise y'all. Braden Lindsey is about five yards past a guy from Ohio State. And if Tyler gets time to throw, but he hits the top of his drop and the delayed blitz by the linebacker, nobody picks it up, drills him right in the face, and you couldn't throw it. I mean, yeah. they were running by Ohio State DBs all year. It was Sean, you said something to me before, like this game was indicative of what the season was going to be. I think it's mm -hmm. true for both teams. Yeah. Because that was the Ohio State's problem is that their secondary was not what people thought it was going to be, especially at corner. And their safeties get a lot of hype, but, I mean, they're good run defenders. They're not great cover guys. Yeah which they showed against Georgia, right? But both teams I think that's true of, you know, and and Ohio State only went to the run game reluctantly in that game. And that was the thing for them all year. It's like yeah, reluctantly. you got those backs and that line yep. and, and all this, and you, you're going to go to the run game because you have to. That's something I'm looking forward to seeing if that changes moving forward. Year two of Justin Fry, yeah. different O.C., you know, is he really going to let these coaches kind of take over or is he going to be kind of, you know, doing like what Brian Kelly did when he first handed over off the offense? Yeah. yeah, Chuck Martin may have been running it, but trust me, there's Brian Kelly's DNA all throughout that offense, you know. Just ask a quarterback whenever they came off the field when someone else's offense, right, who was the first person to be in their ear saying something to him? It wasn't the OC or the quarterback's coach. It was the head coach. So that's what I'm curious to see. This is something that I'm interested in seeing how Tommy deals with this. I think what we saw in that game is that Logan Diggs and Estimate together are incredible. They complement each other so much and give so much, so much diversity to the run game. And when Logan wasn't really – he played, but Logan wasn't 
healthy. What do you have, Sean? Like four four carries for four, four yards? Four carries. He was like coming that. off an injury. He really wasn't healthy. So they really didn't have that diversity in the run game, right? And it was strictly Aldrick that got going a little bit in the second quarter. And moving forward, I think now they get even better in 23 as complementary pieces. And then I'm encouraged because I don't know who – I'm not necessarily just going to give Chris Tyree that third guy in the running game. It could be a Jeremiah Love. It could be a Jadarian Price. I'm just really encouraged. Rob Payne. Was, yes. I, what we already have said about the offensive line moving forward and then that running game and how they complement each other and what we saw in the Gator Bowl, how they complement each other and really wear teams down, not only physically, but mentally. Because, yo, there are things you have to worry about with Aldrick Estime and multiples. There are things you have to worry about with Logan Diggs and multiples. And if they choose to go to 21 personnel, which is something Brian's been calling for, now you really get the defensive coordinators. I mean, has it not worked? Here's my question for you. Pretty much every time. When they've used it this year, has it never not worked? No. No, I love how I just pulled a double negative there. I don't know if that made sense or not, but when has it not worked, right? I mean, that's why I call for it. It just it works, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Lucky Lefty Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, CFB Nation, in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Great content. We're gonna have our guy John Garcia Jr. on with us later in this week. He's gonna chop it up with us about certain things. Uh, later this week, Malik is going to have another players only. Uh, we can announce that former Notre Dame great Derek Brown is going to join Malik, and he's still building the rest of the cast. So look for that later this week, more than likely Wednesday or Thursday night, players only with Malik. I won't be on there. It will be Malik and former players. That's why it's called players only. Maybe in high school, right. I used to be a, a little bit of a player, player, but no, not when it comes to Notre Dame. It's the Lucky Lucky Podcast. We spin it different. Young players flashed in that game. Benjamin Morrison flashed, and I think he's going to be man. We already know what he became in 22. He's going to get even better. Xavier Watts flashed in that first half. He, man, they tried to throw a flat route to Stover, and he came up. As soon as Stover caught the ball, he was there. Like, he has to wrap up a little bit better, but he delivered a blow and then got back on him to grab his leg and make the tackle. But I'm like, yo, I don't even remember this play. Like, And I see why he began to progress as the year came on. Like, his instincts to be at the right spot. Like, he has to finish when he gets there. But he has really good instincts coming from wide receiver to know where to go and to get there and play fast. That's encouraging at the safety position, especially when you project that to 2023 with what they lost in recruiting, you know, and how that's, you know, how that position possibly plays out. All right. Y'all don't have nothing to say about that. Cool. No, no. I <laughs> Len, you roll, man. No, <laughs> no, I was good. Good. Well, you know, on my good. show, those yeah. rants from the host usually go a little bit longer. So I just was waiting. I was no, waiting that was pretty good. <laughs> I was done. I was like, all right, take it from here.
I mean, I could give you an amen. I went to church yesterday, Sean. So, I mean, I can give you like an amen if that make you feel better. Like, <laughs> preach. I just thought you guys were going to add on and take it from there. You and say, yeah, it, there's another thing. But no, you, you saw, going back to what we said earlier, defensively, we saw young players flash early, and we saw how that benefited the depth of this team yeah. moving on into the season. That's something we're asking for. In 2023, offensively. And that's I mean, Sean, the of the, go ahead. I'm sorry, Malik. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I was going to say the middle of the defense is going to grow because of that. I think some of those flash players are really going to come in contact with the experience of being a true veteran. And I think that's going to grow the guys coming in. And it also is going to push some of those veterans. Having Cam come back in the secondary, I think it's going to help Ben Morrison because they're going to feed off of each other. I think Cam has a lot to prove coming back this second half, which is going to feed that safety position. It's going to feed Ben Morrison. It's going to feed that nickel position with Jaden Mickey. I think he's going to have more of a, a, a role in that position. But then the linebackers are going to feed into that. The speed of the defense has increased this year. I think that's from the youth. But also Marcus Freeman raising the temperature of that competition in that room, I think it's going to help everybody included. So offensively, it's going to have to have an effect because Sam Harpin and his veteran ability is going to uh, and his leadership is going to influence the, an offensive line that's already ready to go. It's going to have to come from the receiver room is going to grow because of Sam Hartman's confidence. And Tyler Buckner has confidence, but you're going to see a, a on-the-field type of confidence that's going to help Tyler may even increase his leadership and be more vocally uh, than I think he has been known for in the past. I, I think, too, Sean, and Malik, you talked about the secondary. You guys are talking about the secondary, too, is when you think about what the secondary looked like in that game and what it's going to look like next year. You know, Benjamin Morris is going to be a year old. He balled out that game, but he's going to be a year older. Jaden Mickey struggled in that game. Jaden's going to get better, right? Um, he has to. Yeah, and and then you look at it. You look at the secondary. The, the three safeties that got the most snaps in that game, Sean. You talked about how good Xavier Watts was, but the reality is Xavier didn't play that much in that game. He just he flashed when he did. He only played yeah. six snaps in that game. Yeah. But when he was on there, you're like, oh, this kid moves different. The three guys that got the most snaps were Brandon Joseph, Houston Griffith, and DJ Brown. You fast forward to 2023, part of the reason I'm excited about the secondary is you anticipate it looking a lot like it did in the bowl game, where it's going to be Xavier Watson, Ramon Henderson being the one and two, and then T.J. Brown being the number three. And then if if they do what I hope that they do, and what I wrote an article about today at Irish Breakdown, which is if Chance Tucker steps up, if Jaden has a good offseason, if Christian Gray is what we think, and definitely what Sean thinks he's going to be, in the spring and fall, then you move Clarence Lewis to the to the to the safety position, and all of a sudden Clarence goes from an okay rotation player corner to a guy that I think is a starting caliber safety in college football because I think he's just better as a as a zone guy as a as a safety than he is as a as a press man because like Clarence Lewis would be a much better player at Notre Dame if he was playing under Bob Diaco mm-hmm. and playing like cover two and cover four and stuff like that where he can kind of keep things in front of him. He'd be a very good. He reminds me a lot of like you know kind of Robert Blantonish. A little bit, you know, just how he plays, not as long as Robert was or strong, but like similar, right? But as a cover one man guy, he just he's just not that guy, right? And and but as a safety, I think he could thrive. And all of a sudden, you if you're able to get a move like that, all of a sudden your athleticism at safety has just taken a big jump. And, and I thought Houston was really steady this year, but he just doesn't run like you need him to. And, and DJ, you know, can't run like you need him to. Well, he was basically a starter in that game last year. Mm-hmm. Now he's number three, and maybe 
you know, maybe battling to hold on to that job. So, because to your point, Sean, the, the, the secondary looks so much more athletic in the bowl game, even without Cam, than it did in September last mm-hmm. year because of Xavier. Number one, my biggest thing is because of Xavier. I mean, that, that that right there. But then number two, because uh, Ramon started to – the light started to go on a little bit for Ramon, and I thought that was meaningful too. Yeah. Second half, run defense. Just, man, Ohio State game, Marshall game, BYU game. It's like teams, Notre Dame playing well in the first half, and I don't know if teams were forced to go to the run or just chose to go to the run, and Notre Dame not getting the job done, stopping the run in the second half of games. But that's where the weight of the defense has to come in, guys like Justin Scott, a guy that's in that 330-plus second half is where that impact comes in. And I think when we got tired in the second half, a lot of times we're just too light in the pants and the run game gets stronger as the game goes on. I think a lot of teams notice that trend is that Notre Dame's going to hit you. If you can stay in the rain that second half, they're going to wear down because they don't have enough weight up front and they got guys flying around and, and missed tackles. Missed tackles accumulate in the second half a lot. So it was just a, a combination of bad things and concocting and, and and trying to seal games. And when you need it most, teams run the ball, and they couldn't defend that second half. Well, Malik, to your point on that too, right, is look at the bowl game again. Look at the end of the season. You had Gabriel Rubio didn't play a lot against Ohio State, right? He's about yeah, 300 man. pounds. He, he didn't play. I don't think he played at all that game, to be honest with you. I'm looking at the – the stat breakdown now, and he didn't he didn't play a snap in that game, you know, and 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 you had Chris Smith who had some size, but everybody else was two eighty five or lighter. Well, now you move R- Riley inside; he's got ten pounds on Jason Adamiola. You you've got Howard Cross is hopefully going to play fewer snaps, and I don't say that as an insult. I just think Howard has got a threshold that once he gets past that, he's just yeah. not as effective. But when he's yeah. under thirty five snaps in a game, that gets hard to block. He was you know? whipping the left guard. In yeah, the first quarter. he was their best D lineman in that game. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but as you got in the fourth quarter, though, they started kind of leaning on him because he they was leaning on yeah. right? <laughs> he just don't and, got enough. Yeah, and and so now you talk about you know you're going to be a little bit different this year size wise. You're going to have Gabriel in the mix. Hopefully, Aiden Kiana Anna can can push himself in in there for some playing time. But Gabriel's in that mix now, where he wasn't last year. So hopefully that size can be a little bit bigger. But the other thing, too, Sean, that, that was a big problem that game was I didn't think the D-line was bad in the second half. I thought they got leaned on like Malik. They, were, they, weren't, they weren't able to penetrate. But that's when you saw like the issue. It's like the USB game second right. half. We just a bunch of standstill at the line. Like, But but also, too, is what hurt them is the, that's we, it was our first glimpse of what was going to be, be what happening at linebacker all year. Mm-hmm where they just could not see ball, fly to the ball, be disruptive, get to the football. They were catching blocks on that first and second level in the, in the fourth quarter, and that became an issue all year as well, which, I mean, that was never an issue for J.D. J.D. Bertrand had issues with length and missing tackles in 2021, but sitting back and letting himself get blocked was not an issue for J.D. Bertrand in 2021. And you saw it in that game. You saw the issues of Maris and those, those kind of things. and so. When I when Mayor's I was taking on more action before the tackle oh, is not what he needs to be. No, doing. <laughs> but that I mean we saw it in game one and it just it never really got better. 
couple games late in November, but it just never really got better. You know what's interesting? They heard all offseason that teams want to get their linebackers in space and take advantage of them. And Ohio State did that for two and a half quarters. And Notre Dame was prepared for it. Like their linebackers played flawlessly in space, made tackles, kept things in front of them. Like they worked in concert with the secondary. Everything was great. And it was almost like once Ohio State decided to go against that and also them wearing down or the front in front of them wearing down, the linebackers were like, oh, we didn't really, we didn't really think about this <laughs> in preparation Sean, for the game. can I ask Malik a question? Because you and I yeah. have talked about this. Yeah. Malik, when you break down Notre Dame's defense this year, do you did you find that Al Golden's defense had a hard time stopping teams that were good at both running and passing? That they would get so emphasized, because I saw this against Marshall, saw this against Ohio State, saw this against USC, where it's like he couldn't he couldn't game plan to stop two things. He can only game plan to stop one thing. Yeah, I think that's the nature of uh, his play, his style of coaching was to be strong at stopping their best thing. I think that's kind of the the NFL trend because usually the talent can go talent versus talent. You can take care of the rest because we're that's why I think it was just shocking to see the second running running back have so much of an impact on our defense because we we were game plan for the first one. We said, okay, the first one, you know. He likes this whole that whole. He's gonna do this and that. We're good. The second one, we kind of was like, okay, he if he's not starting, he's not better than our starters. So we should be able to tackle him, and then he would be able to get off and do the things that they do. So I think Al Golden does a great job of the first half of the game plan, which is take away their best thing. But right. the second half, I don't think we had enough talent on talent to take away what we were probably equal to or equivalent. So, so what you're saying is like you can scheme to take away the pass game, which they did a pretty good job of, but you then have to have dudes that can take away, like can keep you honest in the other part, and they didn't like have for that. Instance, we could do a good job against a Caleb Downs, take Caleb Downs away. Right. But then you were not accounting for Drake May scrambling. Drake May getting the one-offs to guys making plays or the running back that we're so uh, Caleb Downs conscious, the running back gets 10 and 12 yards on scampers here and there. So I think the overall uh, ability for us to be able to take the defenses, I mean, the offense's best thing away, which I think we did a great job of USC early on. We yeah. made it hard for Caleb, but then we also gave Caleb a lot of time to be hey. back there with no push to dance and make plays down the field later. So Malik, Notre Dame did go 0-2 against Ohio State and USC because of they got ripped up in the throwing, in the throwing game. No. They got beat because no. they couldn't stop either no. team from running the football. Ohio State, the running backs, USC, the quarterback, like. and the running backs. Exactly. And a lot of that comes from, okay, we can live with Dak Prescott, quote-unquote, throwing for 400 yards. Okay, we go – okay, you beat us. We can't live with the other team killing us in, in something we're not expecting them to kill us right. in. You know, that's the one thing that we're not – quite there yet but i do think with what we've recruited for 23 24 coming in the growth of a xavier watts in a in a position where he's a playmaker you know you, you can't really define him as a ball hawk or a run stopper he's more of a playmaker i think we'll really grow as a defense to where once we take away with number one like georgia does you really don't stand a chance because everything else is just we're better than you right
they can take away the pass game schematically, knowing that their front's going to beat you up and you're still not going to run the ball on them. Yeah. I'll say this. Yeah, though, yeah. Guys, Georgia can be like, okay, eventually our front seven is going to wear on you to where. Hey, Jalen Carter, you handle the run game. Right. But here's the other thing, too, fellas, from that game that, that you look at and say, Notre Dame had so many opportunities to make that a two score game. And here's the thing let Ohio State go on a nine minute drive running the ball on you when you're up 10 or 17. And I think that's the part, too. And somebody in the chat even said it. That's going to make – if Notre Dame's offense can do what it's capable of and take advantages of the chances that were there and, and the offensive line can play like we thought it – or like it did later in the year. Because if they – I said all offseason, John, I wanted that game in week one. Looking back on it, it's kind of like I would have rather had that game in November, which I would I didn't think I would be the case then. Because then in November, the offensive line would have been ready to go. Mm-hmm. But you look at it and you say – then in November, but you wouldn't have had a quarterback that could make some of the plays that, that Tyler made in that game. So it's just one of those things where moving forward is that's why your offense has to – what was my number one key to the game this year and every week, Sean, and we never really saw it? Start fast, start yeah. fast, start fast, start fast. And we just – because we never saw it, right? But, like, that's the thing about this defense. We never saw this defense get a chance to really pin, it, pin its ears back and go after somebody except one team, B.C., they jumped on BC early. The defense could pin its ears back, and they made BC look like a joke team. Let's not forget that a week before, BC went on the road, beat a ranked NC State team, and their quarterback threw for over 300 yards. Well, because the offense came out and they were, I mean, the run game, Drew was hitting a couple balls with the run game, and then they were able to pin their ears back. Ben gets a big pick and all that, and all of a sudden, yeah. BC's out of their game plan, and Notre Dame just rolls them. So that's the other thing is what happens if they're up 20-7? to 7? Like you guys were talking about, how many times? Let's just say they got a touchdown on a field goal in the second and third quarter on some of those drives. All of a sudden, it's twenty to seven, seventeen to seven. Can Ohio State really do that? Can they? Can mm-hmm. they? Can they feel good enough to say, "Hey, let's just run this football and go at it"? I, I don't know if they could have. We're going to end this talking about Tyler Buckner and Marcus Freeman because I think we saw both have flaws early on in that game. I think both had some questionable decisions early in that game and in that game. But I think you saw moments that they both recognized immediately what the problem is. And when you can recognize immediately what the problem is, that tells me you have the potential to change. The problem with most people not changing is they fail to recognize what the problem is in the first place. If you can recognize what the problem is, more than likely, that's a greater percentage that you'll make the change. Marcus Freeman, this is what stood out. You remember, they get the ball back. Um, this is something else. The way Noah Ruggles missed that field goal at the end of the first half and the field goals he missed against Michigan, those were two of the biggest games. That would have alerted me that he wasn't going to make that big-time field goal against Georgia. Because <laughs> in the biggest moments, that's what he did. He missed field goals. He made everything else. But right after he missed that field goal, Notre Dame got the ball back. I think it was maybe about 38 seconds left and a half. They tried a big shot on the first play to Lindsey against Burt. And uh, Lindsey altered his route because of the way the DB was playing him and did a comeback. And Tyler still threw the fly route. But what it gave an opportunity for was it stopped the clock and allowed Ohio State to use their timeouts to force Notre Dame to punt. And when Marcus Freeman realized it, he says to himself, what are you doing? Stupid, stupid. Like he recognizes like 
it's a coaching mistake. It's his first game, but he recognized, like, man, I can't do that. And that looking at him in that moment, I'm like, he's gonna be all right. Why? Not because he recognizes what needs to be done, and he's willing to change and move. And I think that's what we saw from Marcus Freeman. That wasn't his only mistake. He made other mistakes. But in that moment, I saw, you know what? He's willing to recognize, admit, and then do what he needs to do to move on from it. We saw great growth from him, too. That's the other thing when you yeah. look at Ohio, where Ohio State was at the beginning. Of, I mean, Notre Dame was at the beginning, where Notre Dame was at the end. I mean, Marcus Freeman was in his first game as a head coach against his alma mater in that game. Yeah. You know, who yeah. he was in that game is, I mean, look, all coaches go through growth, right? But I felt like Marcus Freeman, through some circumstances of his own, some not his own, you know, the injuries, nothing you can do about that, right? Uh, the, the, some of the decisions that led to them not being as effective and his decision mm-hmm. to not be more hands on with the defensive coaching and some of the things on offense or whatever you know, kind of got him to that point, but they were, they were lessons that were, were learned, but he, he grew so quickly is the thing that, that got me. And I think a big part of it, Sean, is I've heard people say this. People talk, so I've had people say, well, you know, maybe he was too honest in some of his press conferences. And I'm like, okay, fair. I I actually don't dislike, I love that. I I, I want a coach who's going to be real. Like I think, I don't know, Malik can answer this for me, but as a player, I I respect it. I don't want a coach going up there every week and saying, oh, we lost because of me every freaking week. But if a coach does something that you, you all know, like, you know, Hey, this should have been different. And he gets up there and owns it, you know, especially after what you dealt with for the previous 12 years, you know, where's everybody else's fault. And whenever he would own it, it was always like a half hearted, but I don't really believe it kind of thing. I like that, but also, too, he has a unique combination of he believes in some core principles that are not going to change, but some other decisions that he thought would be good that he quickly realizes aren't good. He's willing to look in the mirror and say, no, I shouldn't have done that. That was not right. We should have gone a different direction. And he's willing to make those changes without sacrificing the core principles. Because if a coach is willing to sacrifice core principles because they're not going well, then he has no core principles, and he's not going to be successful. But just because you have core principles doesn't mean we're just going to keep doing what we're doing no matter the fact we lost to Marshall Stanford. And I think that's something we saw, too, in that year one is his willingness to say, you know what? That was a mistake on me. I'm not, we're not going to happen again. And then take the steps to address it and fix it. I think just kind of like you said, you saw a lot of growth, Sean. And so the guy that's going to be on the sideline at what, September 23rd, this next time in, in, in South Bend, is going to be a much different cat than the one we saw – you know, September 4th in Columbus. Yeah. And and that's an encouraging thing too. And Roger Blackman, we thank you for tapping in. He says he was talking to Reese, not himself. No, let, let's explain how this goes. In that moment, no offensive coordinator takes a shot without okaying it from the head, head coach. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing here? Do you want us to kneel or do you want us to be aggressive? That had to be cleared by Marcus Freeman. So when he says, what are we doing? He's not talking to Tommy. He's talking to himself like, yo, that's 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 dumb. That's on me. I okayed it. But I think like, a lot of it, too, he has to take some of that on his shoulders because he's still learning to trust the quarterbacks that he's getting. There's still a trust process he's got to have with Sam where he's like, you're my new hot girlfriend, but I don't really know if I close my eyes, you'll take my money if I'm not looking. <laughs> and then with Tyler, it's like, you know, you've been in and out. You've been at – 
uh, how to be a wife school for so long and come back and it's like a wife swap. It's like, you yeah. know, I, I appreciate it. I know you can be a good wife, but you, you know, you wasn't mine the whole time. So yeah. I think there's a, a the level of trust that Marcus has to take on his own where he's like, look, I can't put it on them because I don't really know him. It's on me and I'll get it together eventually. But still, I think Tyler in, has, has developed, has grown from week one to not seeing him till the end where Marcus Freeman can feel better about it, but these still aren't Marcus Freeman's guys. I think when Marcus Freeman can get his hands on a, a Kenny Minchie where he's feel like we've went through the dating process long enough to where I can commit early and feel good about it. I think that's something that he's got to really harp on with this, with going into this season and seeing the development of Kenny while still trusting what Tommy trust with Sam Hartman bringing in in the fifth year. It's the lucky lucky podcast. We spin it different. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, left. And that situation, game one again, or Ohio State again, 39 seconds left. You're at the 20 or 30 yard line. Is he being aggressive because he knows he has an experienced quarterback? Or does it go back to you saying he doesn't have a relationship? So he tells with Tommy, no, we're going to go to halftime and just come back out. I think in that situation, he would go for it. I think with, with what Tyler was going through, I think it was new for everybody. So not even Tommy could really trust him. I think Tommy is a lot like how he would be with CJ. He's going to go in there trusting, guns blazing, hella high water. You might even see 60 throws this year in a Sam Hartman game just because Tommy uh, believes in what he's been, I think, recruiting on his own in a, in a sense, but also showing Marcus Freeman, hey, I can I can bring some guys in. And if I get the guys I like, you know, maybe not the guys at the country deems number one, but maybe if I can get a guy – somewhere in the nooks and crannies of these places that I'm finding these guys that we can have something special out of it for sure. Are we just going to slide right past the, 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 the real question here is what kind of girls was Malik dating? (laughs) He had to be worried about like closing his eyes because they might like, I haven't, what, what, where was that neighborhood? In the <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to worry about, you know. That's the thing. We've been Tinder dating with Corey. And why are you leaving? Why are you leaving your wait, wallet? Wait, 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 wait. Anyway. I can't. Wait, wait. You said now last week 
dude, the Rooney Rule comment was top notch. But you said we've been tender dating with quarterbacks, bro. We've been tender dating with some QBs. You know, we saw Jack Cohn. He had the pre-med on there. A lot of potential. What was wondering why he wasn't getting the attention? He, why are you on tender, Jack Cohn? You five years pre-med. You should be ready to, you know, tie the knot. So, you know, we ended up taking him on a date and, and made his life better, obviously. It's like, man, we need to go in there and have a wholesome girlfriend, I think, situation going in with our quarterback situation. It's going to take time. Marcus Freeman is, has, has, has built the house up nice enough to be able to invite somebody real nice to come in. Oh, man. And I think it's uh it's about that time. But in the meantime, we're, we're on this, this fast matching type of thing, and we might catch fire. But if we want to build a nice, solid foundation, a nice, solid home, got to start from the, the ground up and build them when they're young, man. And I think he got one with Kenny Mitchell. Boy, you are the best. You are the absolute best, boy. <laughs> Sean, Sean, I want to say this too about the point that Malik is, is making here. It's like, look, when you have a great offensive line and, a, and an okay quarterback, you're going to have more ups and downs. When you have a great running game and you're just okay at quarterback, you're going to have more ups and downs unless you are just literally like Georgia where you have the best players. And so the thing we've seen for, for Notre Dame over the years is when the offense has been the most consistent are times when it had better play quarterback. Whether it was, you know, Malik than Deshaun in 2015, you know, where, yeah, you had a great line, but you had quarterbacks go out there and make plays every week. And I think that's the thing for Notre Dame is, is there's been too many of these games where the gap at quarterback, either from a talent or experience standpoint, is just too great for the rest of the roster to overcome. It was the case against USC. It was the case against Ohio State to a degree, although I didn't think C.J. played great. But I thought C.J. made some clutch throws that game, especially in the second half. Some of those rollouts where he's hitting guys on the sideline where it's like Clarence Lewis is in perfect position. It's just like psh, there's nothing you can do about it. That ball just put right on the money. I actually got, I gained more respect from him in that game than I did any other game the regular season when he put up way better numbers the rest of the year because he showed me he can win gritty, and, and that's something I think C.J. needed to show. But to me, I think that's the thing we're projecting to the future that you start feeling a little bit better about where this thing is headed is because whether it's Sam Hartman, whether it's Tyler Buckner, whether it's Kenny Minchie, whether it's C.J. Carr, the reality is it's not Tyler Buckner or Bust or Jack Cohn or Bust or, you know, Ian Book or Bust the way it was in, you know, 2020. And that's the thing where you kind of get into those problems where you're putting so much on a quarterback that you don't really know what you have there. The margin of errors guy always got to be there, right? Like, what happens in 2015 if, if when Malik goes down, your guy you're bringing off the bench is a Drew Pine type? What what's the season look like? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's the you know, or or Ev struggles in 2014, and you're turning to the bowl game against LSU and Leonard Fournette, a Drew Pine type, right? I think that's the thing that we're seeing this that, that we're seeing Tommy and Coach Freeman do is they're rebuilding the quarterback depth chart to the position where it needs to be. And and I and I have been wanting to get Malik's opinion on this. So Sean, I'm really glad you had me on is I feel like what this staff is doing a better job of than the previous staff did is recruiting quarterbacks that actually fit the system that they're already running as opposed to recruiting quarterbacks they have to fit the system around them or try to fit the quarterbacks into the system. I feel like we're starting to get a little bit of consistency 
of guys that fit what he's looking to do. When and and I look primarily at Sam Hartman, what he does, and then of course Kenny Minchie and CJ Carr. There's a lot of similarities between how those three kids play the game. Now there's some differences here and there. CJ's probably a you know, more athletic kid, more of a runner than those other two kids, but they're all pocket passers that can throw off platform, that are smart, that are high five, high football IQ kids that fit into the offense where you don't got to change it. Well, when, when Malik's in the game, we're doing this, and when Deshaun's in the game, we're doing this, and when Ev's in the game, we're doing this, and when Brandon's in the game, we're doing this. It's whoever's in the game, this is what we're doing. And I think that's, I think that's a, a smart way to build that roster. But you still have at least one guy that's a little bit different, and a Tyler Buckner, you know, so you still have that element as well. So I, I think that they're building it. Now it's time to go out there and say, okay, that all sounds great, but it's time to get production. It's time to go out there and get the production you need. And that's that wasn't there in the bowl game or in the Ohio State game last year. And if it's not there in this year's game, I don't care who it is, they're going to have the same issue because this is going to be a good Ohio State football team. They're going to look a lot different than they did in 2022. They're not going to be. They're not going to have C.J. Stroud, but I think they're going to run the ball better. I think they're going to be better on defense. I think the kid, depending on who starts a quarterback, they could be like if if Kyle McCord starts a quarterback next year, their passing is going to have to look different. You can't be a nickel and dime team with him. He's a big arm, throw the ball down the field kid. You're just going to have to be different. Will they adjust under the new, you know, with new, you know, new guys calling it? I don't know, but they're going to need to, and they should because they got the receivers for it. That's what's so frustrating about watching Ohio State. And, and you know, you finally turn it loose in the Georgia game. But if you'd have turned it loose in the, in the Michigan game, maybe you're playing TCU in the, in the first game, not, not Georgia. You know, to where it's just this underneath short stuff, intermediate, short stuff, intermediate, trying to be an NFL coach and, and you know, let the thing loose. So they're going to look a lot different next year. There's no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, if, if Notre Dame can get good good production from the quarterback position, especially early, I think Notre Dame's going to be the better team. They just they this is that this is that show me game, right? Like Clemson wasn't a show me game in the same standpoint because you've already you've already shown you can beat Clemson, and Clemson's not what they were two three years ago. They're not that program. They're still good, but they're not that program. And they don't have Trevor Lawrence. No, no, and you never beat them with him. That's the thing. But you've shown me you can beat a really good top ten caliber Clemson team. Yeah. But that's but he's still got to show something that I don't think Brian Kelly ever showed. And, and, and with all honesty, I don't think Brian Kelly ever won a game to me against a team that was a top five team. I don't care where they were ranked, but that they were a top five caliber team, a top five program. I don't think he ever had those wins because when they beat Clemson in 2020, you did it without Trevor. They didn't have they didn't have Tyler Davis. They didn't have Mike Jones. They didn't have you know several several guys. And you still needed overtime to beat them. And then when they got Trevor back. They took you to the woodshed because your team wasn't wasn't you know wasn't prepared to handle it. Even though you had the players to do it, you're, you you didn't have the mindset from a coaching staff to do it. Oklahoma wasn't that team in 2012. They weren't. They were a good team, but they were a top 15 type team, right? And, and I know Michigan State became that in 2013. But playing a team that's unranked that becomes a top five team is not the same mindset for a player as playing a team that's a top five team when you go into that football game. Yeah. And so that's the thing that I think Coach. Freeman has a chance, multiple chances this season to prove to me, but really one primary is if you beat Ohio State, you make it's a statement game. You beat Clemson again, it's like, well, yeah, you've already beat Clemson twice, and you should have beat them at their place the last time you played them. Right. And so what 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 message does that does that send? Right. But you beat Ohio State in your in your house 
with the best receiving core in the country, because like we talk about how good the corners are going to be, and that's a great chance for them to show it. Great chance for them to show it. Yeah. And so I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing if they can step up to that moment because that's going to be the game more than any that to me that defines the 2023 season yeah. on the field and then on the recruiting trail because that's the kind of win that starts making people say, oh my goodness. All right, I, maybe I should give Notre Dame a second look. Or I don't care if you're trying to flip me. I'm going to Notre Dame. Did you see what they just did to Ohio State last weekend? You know, I I, I think it can be that. That was the Darnell difference was, uh, I think, him knowing that Ohio State was going to handle business because they had C.J. Stroud. And I don't think he had the confidence in our quarterback ability at that time. So Can you blame him? And it didn't get <laughs> no. any better as the season went on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You beat a top so, 10 team throwing for 86 yards, man. That's right. a perfect segue until we until what we want to um, into what we want to end this with. And that is we saw in that game that it was a new era. And when it came to big games, Notre Dame wasn't going to be punks anymore. Notre Dame was going to be ready to play. Win or lose. They're going to be ready to play. Like you're not, man. You're going to beat us by 16, 17 points? What? Spread is 15? I don't know who you think you're playing. This is Notre Dame. And I think the Monday before the Clemson game, when Marcus Freeman told the media, my dudes are ready to play today. It was like, okay. The mindset has changed. The mindset has changed when it comes to big games in that building. They're ready to play. They were ready to play against USC. They just made mistakes. They were. I think, they were Sean, I think they were ready, ready to play against Ohio State, don't you? Yeah, they physically, were ready to play against Ohio State. Mentally, yeah. They just didn't execute yeah. very well. They, just they came execute. out pads popping early in that game. Yeah. They, were not a, they were not afraid of the environment. No, definitely wasn't scared, for sure. And they were right. ready to play against Clemson. They were ready to go. They were ready to play against USC. Once again, execution and mistakes didn't allow them to carry out the game plan. But emotionally and all of that stuff, they were ready. And that's something that's a departure from what we've seen in big games. Yeah, but I think we 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 can get ready and we'll be ready in the moment, but we don't go in with, oh, we're going to blow you out either. I think that's that's another step. And I think that comes with how we've been for the last 10 years. We've been the team that will always play to the level of whoever we're playing, whether it be Marshall or SC. We're going to play to that level whether it be lower or higher. We're going to play to it. Now, are yeah. we going to always play above it? That's where I think Marcus Freeman has a chance to get to. Because we only saw that for one stretch in the previous 12 years. There was only one stretch in, in any period of time where you saw a team that Notre Dame team kind of do that. They just came out and they were like, like we saw it against Texas in 15, right? But that was just one game. And then by the third quarter of the next game, the quarterback's out, starting running backs out, starting tight ends out, starting nose guards out, starting nickels out, right? It just, <laughs> it was, is what it is, right? <laughs> um, so, but the, the we saw that in 17. And, and we saw that kind of from BC on until mm-hmm. Miami, where they that team didn't, they weren't just going to beat you. They wanted to destroy you. They did that to BC in the second half. They did that to Michigan State. They had Michigan State fans leaving in the third quarter of that game. And that's unlike right? anything Brian's ever And played. that was a 10-win Michigan State team. 
They did that to a, an 11 win USC team. They did that to an NC State team that, that had four starting defensive linemen that were drafted and a starting middle linebacker who's going to be playing, playing the Super Bowl last year, going to be playing in the AFC championship this year. Right. But other than that little stretch, and then it ended with a, a, a complete collapse on the road against a top 10 team. Right. And we never saw it again. Yeah, against so I think a team that, that wasn't, that we was, wasn't strictly more talented than at least on a right not significantly level. so more yeah right and i think a lot and, of but, that too is the the style of coaching brian kelly right. wasn't a team wasn't a guy it was a like, mindset to blow you out it's like if right. i'm winning all right i'm gonna just ride this win to the end i'm gonna just make you frustrated i'm gonna keep this 10 point cushion because i'm not gonna be risky and, or i'm not gonna rub it in your face either because it was business like respect it was it's like, business. Yeah, it's a business thing like once I got you, okay, it's, I have nothing to prove yeah. by blowing you out. It, I would just it was beat that you. nameless, faceless opponent crap he would used to say. No, this yeah. isn't a nameless, faceless, faceless opponent. This is freaking Stanford. Exactly. At the you time, right? This is Miami. This is Ohio State. This is, you know, this is whoever that big moment is, and that's why you you rarely saw Notre Dame step up to the plate against Stanford when they were the when they were it legit. Was like Purdue right? was a win by right. three. Was cool, right. just like a win from right. Georgia by three was cool. It was right. like, oh well, it's a win. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. why we couldn't get up for Cincinnati in his last year, because we looked at Cincinnati as another team like Cincinnati. But this Cincinnati team wasn't the same. Right. And we no. didn't play like it was. We treated like, us, you know. And Sean, to your point, that to me is what was different in that Clemson game, <clears throat> because that team came out not ready to play emotionally and mentally, but that team came out and said. You think you're good? You think you have the best D-line in college football? You think you have a great run defense? Uh-uh. Yeah. You've had two weeks to prepare for this ass whooping. I'm sorry, this butt whooping, right? <laughs> and and you're not ready for it. And and it was that was a team that played. And, and to me, I think it came with success. I don't think that – I think what they did early led to that. It was the blocked punt was the thing that sparked them. It's like mm-hmm. the 15 game against USC. Notre Dame did not come out that game like really locked in and ready to go. That's why USC went right down the field and scored. It wasn't until Will did his thing, and then uh, I think it was EQ had to block punt that 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 or was it a did he block it and recover it for a touchdown? You you remember play I'm talking about when EQ uh, scored that touchdown against? I think he recovered it. It it took some plays to get to that point. And I think that was the same thing with this game was it took some plays for Notre Dame to kind of spark that win over Clemson. And to your point, Malik, I think they need I think they need that kind of win over an Ohio State to then truly have that confidence that, hey, we're Notre Dame. We can do anything. And I and I've said this when they beat when they beat Stanford in 2012, I said there will not be another team that can beat Notre Dame the rest of the way regular season because that was the giant they hadn't been able to slay i mean only fifth year seniors on that team had been in a game where they beat stanford that's Mm -hmm. it only fifth year seniors and when they beat and they had gotten embarrassed by stanford the previous two years and so you looked at and said boy once they had that win there was this belief that no we are this good yeah it's like oh we're here oh okay we like it took that blunt that pump block early on be like okay we we might actually be able to do right. something. Right. But so we get so many in those games like Clemson when we played them in the playoffs with Trevor. Once Trevor on third down ran a couple dudes over and got the first and came That's back with a bomb, it was like, oh, yeah, we're we not. 
Right. We're not ready for that, guys. We need to go back down. And they should have been up like 17 or 20 to 7 at that point in time. That's and Avery thing. dropped that pass over the middle. It was like, oh, yeah, we're not yep. ready, guys. We we thought we was, but. Right. That was so. That was the thing for so long. And that's yeah. what was so frustrating about the USC game because I felt like that was a little bit of a step back. Yeah. And, and mainly because of the defensive game plan, I thought was did not allow them to, to have that mentality. It was too passive. Yeah. And that's the thing I want to see different is I what I liked about the yeah, Ohio State let's game. Let's not be passive every right. game. If we struck out Ohio State just swinging, I'm talking about right. Same with Clemson. all type of big exactly. shots, and it was like this exactly. doesn't look normal. And we exactly. lost. It was like okay, we tried something different. All right, but we go into every big game, and I already know we're going to try to be as safe and try to make the other team mess up. This is a better team. Why are we banking on the better team to mess up? We should be. Poking at the better team, you know, and so right. I think it's a mentality. Right. What causes that? What what creates that mentality, Malik? I mean, like, what what is it? A is it is it how you practice? Is it how you talk to players? Like, what is it that creates that mentality? And that's the thing that I'm curious In to see. Is opinion, can, can you find that either, that not? It comes from either a quarterback having a, an attitude difference, where he's vocal about being aggressive from a mentality offensively. And he can say that because he's got the ball in his hands and he's throwing the football and that kind of thing. Or it comes from the, the, the mentality of the team. I think just from the leadership standpoint in 2015, it was a player led team where we felt as a team, we were really good and it teams just better fall down when we coming around. Cause we all feel like, good in each other and I think from our standpoint I think we as a team know we're really good but we need somebody to cut the lights on for us and a lot of times we let teams that we play get too comfortable in in a groove and now we find ourselves in a battle but if we had a, a guy at the quarterback position or maybe just in the, in the leadership standpoint where they cut the lights on early I think it'll make it easier for us to start fast, like you say, is so important. I think you got that uh, little boost in our in our battery pack, the Oklahoma State game back uh, a year ago, when Marcus Freeman was that battery pack. He just got selected head coach. Everybody's you know loving the energy. That first half we looked like something, but now it can't just keep coming from Marcus Freeman because he's not tackling, he's not throwing touchdowns, he's not running touchdowns. So you know that that's a piece, but we put Marcus Freeman with a quarterback, a franchise guy, a Kenny Minty, a CJ Carr from the from the from the table of having dinner at his house to on the field. I think that's what Marcus Freeman is truly missing, or he's missing that that James Laronitis, that Marcus Freeman at that linebacker position, that man Ty Teo that is yet to be seen. That Marcus Freeman can put his stamp on, and be like, that's me on the field. I'm me on the press conferences, but I need a me on the field, and I and I'm, I don't think he's looking for that. Lucky Lucky Podcast, man. That's the first edition of Back to the Future. Ohio State next week, next Monday, Back to the Future. Marshall, right here. It's a lot we're going to get into with that Marshall game, bro, because I started that this morning. It's, it's a lot. And the projections are going to be positive. But, man, it's a lot to get into. B. Driss. 
Hey, don't be mad at me because I'm not. I'm not listening to that show, man. <laughs> I'm not ready for it yet. I'm not ready to relive that game yet. I'm still oh, blocking it man. out. So it's all love, but uh, I'm not going to listen to that one, buddy. <laughs> well, you know, if you choose to listen to a snippet, that's what we're here. We're I here can't. for you. I can't. I'm not emotionally strong enough yet. <laughs> all right, bro. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Hey, Thanks, love. Man. I got to get out of here, bro. Got another show to do. That's so right. We thank everybody for joining us. Don't forget Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. It's all there. CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it in. Let's get to these uh, super chats before we get to the best time. Mark one, thank you for the super chat. LL, you were my quarterback. During your time in Notre Dame, wish we had the coaching staff we have now during your time there. What would you do with Marcus Freeman and his coaching staff, bro? We would have to take a team field trip to Dayton just to see where the passion comes from, see where the roots are really grown, and they could get an appreciation for who they really playing for, and then we would win. Oh, it would just boy. be like Coach Carter or something, like just boy. inspirational. You're smooth, you like, smooth dude. I'm telling you're, you. You as smooth as your whiskey, boy. <laughs> you as smooth as your whiskey. That would be the first thing Marcus Freeman should do. Kurt D.A. Anderson Fitness. Great show. This is so true, Sean. Failure to identify the root cause of a problem doesn't allow a person to fix it. Yeah. And the fact that Marcus Freeman can do that and has shown the ability to do that is very encouraging moving into 2023. I got Truman Theodore Dumel, who, by the way, is rumored. You know, I see you wearing your Jets jersey. Hey, Aaron Rodgers might be coming to the Jets via trade, bro. That would be interesting. I, I don't think he wants that AFC smoke with the other quarterbacks, but hey, we'll see. They got well, more added, money in there too. Oh, Woody Johnson got long money, long money. What well, we're adding Justin Scott fully mean for Notre Dame football, and how do you how are you guys liking the NFL playoffs? Personally, I'm loving the NFL playoffs. I think I'm going to love championship weekend even more, and I think we're going to eat man. You can give me any combination of the four teams left. I think it's going to be a fantastic. It's going to be a Bowl. great game. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic Super Bowl. You take I think any the of the four. Come out of the NFC though. Yeah, I you think. give me any of the four in the Super Bowl. I'm good. And Justin Scott, you just heard Malik and Brian Driscoll talk about it, man. How the team has worn down defensively in the second half because they're just too light, man. That's what he means. And he's a I think boxer. Isaiah Foskey was even a little light. Honestly. Yeah. He means a lot. If you he drop changes. in the pass coverage, you're light. Let's put it like that. You're light. Riley Mills ain't dropping no pass. Who was that 300 pound that I dropped in the coverage on your boy? For the- <laughs> it don't happen. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it doesn't happen. You're If you're dropping the coverage, you're too light. My man is in coverage chasing uh, Kittles down the middle. Yeah, what are we doing? You know what time it is, love. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction?
Petty Junction, Petty Stories of the Day, brought to you by Nora Whiskey at NoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey at NoraWhiskey.com. You already know I'm throwing your unk on the Petty train. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Look, unk, first Take of all, social media, no, neither one of y'all getting ready to fight. Ain't none of y'all getting ready to fight. NBA, who, players, who do you expect it, it, NBA players are definitely not fighting. Definitely not. Come on, you taking it way too serious. You can't. What was he gonna do? You can't give that energy, and then get extra when the energy comes back. What did you think, yeah. Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies were gonna punk out and not say anything? Now you want to take so it to old? fight, right? You want to take it to fight? Come on, um, come on, come on, man! Like relax, you do. You out there styling, profiling, beautiful cardigan you had on, fantastic so cardigan. Cardigan was. You didn't need no inches taken off, man. None. Not that. That was worn perfectly with the little mock lip. Perfectly. You just did too much, man. It's like, um, you just did too much, man. Just sit, enjoy the game. Because now, you know, people already kind of say that, you know, you built your career on the back of LeBron. And I think that's a disservice to you because I actually think you, you do good work as a broadcaster. But you didn't you didn't help you didn't help yourself out. Yeah, help you, yourself. You went yeah, you, you went a little bit too hard. Yeah, you went it was like, what are you going so hard for? I didn't yeah. understand like the reason. Like, I mean, I don't know if you had to back up what you be talking on the show. Whatever. It looked real performative because it was it couldn't have been that serious. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, nothing could I mean you too fresh to even be in arguments like that man that's what threw it off you in a fly cardigan like that and you in an argument that heated for what man you supposed to be not trying to get nothing on the cardigan because I know you rented it that's just too expensive and then your boy Booby Gibson he of love of hip hop oh, oh I didn't see it this dude taking shots at Darius Garland the present day point guard for the Cavaliers. Saying what? Booby, man, go rekindle your relationship with your baby mama, man. Mm -mm -mm. Go, go be, go do, do, do the right thing. Come on, man. Go, go be, do the right thing. You know, go be her assistant. Mm. Um, you know, on her video shoot or something, man. What? Look, man, don't clout chase like that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be better than that, man. They might have brought you back to celebrate one of the championships, even though you weren't on the team. LeBron might have done you a solid. But now, they might just keep you out, period. Mm. Wipe you away from the history books. Mm. Booby who? Mm. You talking about Keisha Cole? No, he played. He played with LeBron. He's all right. He played with LeBron. Yeah, yeah Bron. They 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 still rock with him to this day. He does some stuff with uh with Rich out there in L.A. I've actually run into him a couple of times out in L.A. Run into Booby a couple of times because he seems like a solid dude. That's why it struck me as strange. Like, man, what are you doing, bro? Seems like a solid dude. Great show today, man. Back to the future. Don't forget. Coming up later on this week, that dude Malik Zaire with his players only. Former Notre Dame tight end, NFL tight end, Derrick Brown. He's going to be on. 
along with some other great players. You already know, we spin it different. For left, me have a great Monday. But most of all, you got to make sure that you spin it different. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.